Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Michelle Coulson. Originally from the UK, Michelle is the CEO and founder of Remote Rebellion, helping people to design their dream lives with more freedom and flexibility by getting a remote job that they can do from anywhere. In this episode, we talk about remote job coaching and how it can be beneficial in securing a remote job, how Michelle sets up her remote office for the day, and things that people may need to know before becoming a digital nomad. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. Amazing. So we are recording. Michelle, welcome to the Remote Life Podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I am fab. I've had a, uh, I've had a great week so far. How are you? Doing good. I mean, we were having a very great conversation just now about how we have some destinations to choose right now, uh, which is a very digital nomad problem to have. But yeah, you know, it's another day, another week in our lives, huh? <laughs> Terrible life, you know, these first world problems. Where do we go next? What do we do? (laughs) (laughs) So let's dive straight in. Tell us about you and tell us about your remote life journey so far. Yes. So hi, I'm Michelle. I am a remote work advocate and founder of Remote Rebellion. And Remote Rebellion is essentially a way to help people get a remote job. Um, So my background was in recruitment or is in recruitment. I was a recruiter for nine years in the corporate world in London and I got sick of pushing people into roles and into jobs that weren't necessarily a good fit just because I had my targets to fill in getting people into those jobs. So I was in, I've been in recruitment since 2014. And then when 2016, 2017 happened, that came around, I was recruiting a lot of software engineers and the company that I was recruiting them into didn't have too much to offer in the way of salary or in terms of a package. So a lot of people at that stage even were asking if there was remote working options so it's something that I was really pushing for my to my employer. And after I did a lot of nagging, a lot of pushing. I was like, hey, we need to offer this because especially after Brexit, we did, we couldn't lean on the EU market anymore in, in the UK. So I said, we need to offer something. So after a lot of pushing, I managed to get up to four days a week uh, remote. And that was great. Back in 2017, that was a real win. Uh, but for me, that wasn't it uh, wasn't enough. It was still that like, one day a week we had to go into the office on Friday for company culture uh, BS, in my opinion. And I wanted a little bit more than that because I'd bought a motorhome, an RV, and I loved traveling around in that. But it still meant that I couldn't go outside of the UK because mm-hmm. I kept having to come back every Friday. So I did a test and, and said, can I work six weeks from South America while I travel through Peru and Bolivia and that was a more like hey if you don't give me this I'm going to quit anyway so can you see how see how I get on see how I get on working remotely and then see if I can do this like I, it was I wasn't going to tell them that but see how I get on and it went well hired some people did a really good job and they still didn't want me to work five days a week remote so it didn't quite work but then the pandemic happened and we were all forced to work remotely right so we we got that taste of what that looked like and and I I ended up being in London being so miserable in 2020 looking out of my window thinking that's a building site this is a tiny room paying 1200 pound a month for this box room and I'm like I'm so miserable and I was trying to think about what actually made me happy and it was being by the ocean so I decided to hop in my RV and I moved down to the southwest coast of Cornwall and I was super happy I was living by the ocean I was walking on the beach every day watching the sunset and I was like I never want to move back to London again and and then I ended up moving to Bali or going to Bali for two months because I thought the office was was closed and we didn't know when when that was going to be open again back in 2021 and I figured it was only going to be temporary I'd go to Bali until my boss called us back and he did and said hey come back we need to get back to the office 
And I just felt really sick because I didn't want to go back again. And I was, I felt like I was holding on to some sort of like lamppost being like, no, don't like <laughs> kicking and don't screaming. Make don't, don't make me go back. <laughs> don't make me go back into the tube. So I decided, okay, well, I, well, COVID decided for me, actually, before my flight, I was having drinks with the people in the guest house that I'd met. And I got the PCR results from the doctor and I had COVID. So I couldn't actually fly. So I took that as a sign. I quit my job and I ended up setting up Remote Rebellion. That was over two years ago and I've not looked back since. That is an amazing story. Thank you. (laughs) It's funny how like a lot of digital nomad um, kind of stories tend to incorporate Bali or like an RV at some point. But yeah, that was was amazing. That was was incredible. Thanks. Sweet. That is definitely going to be one of my absolute favourite stories. That, like, and honestly, it ties in so well with your like remote rebellion. Like, it was all about. I mean, we may not. We're not going to like completely condone the whole guilt tripping your employer, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's not necessarily guilt tripping. It's if you feel like you're adding value to that company, you're essentially yeah. offering a service. And if you're doing a good job and they don't want to lose you, then they're going to fight to keep you. And you you, can, you should know your power and actually know that power. Like, hey, if you if you want to keep me, then this is what I need. And if not, I'm going to I'm going to leave. And that's not a threat. That's just like this is what I need to be happy. So take it or leave it. I mean, yeah, completely agree. Preach. And you actually made me think of a very good point, actually. That's something I get asked quite a bit is that how do you approach your employer about going remote? What would your advice be about that? So even when you start having the inkling that you want to do that and you're like, most people are really nervous because they feel like really like cheeky for asking or they feel like they haven't got the, the right experience or whatever that is, start collecting a folder of wins. So whether that's your colleague sending you an email or a Slack message, you did a great job on XYZ today, good job. If you got a customer email or a client email saying how great you did, if you've got any stats on you increasing sales, you increasing customer satisfaction, whatever those numbers look like that say you're doing a good job, start collecting them all into some kind of folder somewhere so you've got ammo to go with. And when you actually go to your employer to say, this is what I want, you're armed with I'm valuable. You want to keep me in in a nice way. And secondly, go with any kind of objections that that employer would come with. So the objections would be, are you going to be as productive? Are you going to have strong Wi-Fi? Are are there tax or legal implications? So any kind of things that you you think they might come at you with, have an answer for it and be like, okay, give you an answer. Next, what's what's your next objection? So you completely smack down all of their objections with information, data, facts. So they have no reason to say no. Love it. Come straight in, talk about the results, talk about your value. Yeah, makes total sense. Yeah. And just, just not just talking about it, but know it, like, know it yourself and believe it in yourself. It costs more to hire a new member of staff than it does to retain someone who already is good at their job and is retaining that knowledge. But if you're a crappy member of staff, then I probably wouldn't say that you've got much, much hope. But if you are doing a good job and you're showing value, why wouldn't they want to keep you? Uh, what's funny is that I imagine that it's the people who are the really great like members of staff that are the ones that are probably doubting themselves. Yeah, it is always <laughs> like, and and it's the ones that I, I've got. Um, I've got a client at the moment that's in in my program, and she's fantastic. And she starts a lot of sentence with, "Oh, but I don't have this, and I don't do that, and I feel really awful that I'm looking to leave my company," even though I'm like. 
you have no loyalty to them. Like if they didn't need you and you weren't good at what you did, they would they would drop you like tomorrow. And I don't mean that's anything against you. You're a lovely person. And they probably really like you. But if you're not providing value to them, they're going to get rid of you. And it's they're not your family that you're getting. They're getting something out of you. You're getting something out of them. So it's as simple as that. And, and you can be a good person. You can be loyal. You can be dedicated and hardworking. But you don't need to give your everything to them like it's your family and, and it's something that you should just do. Speaking of family, I yeah, there's the whole conversation in itself, but any company that says we're a family. Ugh. Mm. Like I've got a team working with me at the minute and there's there's four of them that are freelancers and they are like friends as mm. well as as colleagues but they're not family mm. because th- there's a big difference in that with family there's you love them no matter what whereas friends it's like you've got to nurture that relationship and there's got to be a give and take there's none of that unconditional love like there is with family where you just put up with that stuff you're like you're getting something out of the friendship and so are they and you should nurture that and work hard at making sure there's a mutual respect as well love it amazing and for anybody who is maybe thinking like i like the idea of going i mean obviously like, as you mentioned and obviously as we know at this point a lot of us have being remote whether we liked it or not but there will still be a select few who are thinking or maybe didn't get to go remote in the pandemic and maybe want to now or are wondering about whether it's something they want to continue doing do you have any advice for somebody who is maybe wanting to test it out taking the full loop yes i guess it depends on what the company is allowing them to do so it could be something as testing it out one or two days a week if they've never done that and speaking to their company saying can we have an agreement that every monday every tuesday or one day a week whatever that looks like i can work remote and you can test it out and do one day where you're working from home how does that feel working in a home setup you could do another day or even half a day working from a cafe working from a co-working spot working from a friend's place a lot of people feel like remote work either has to be working from home or being a digital nomad traveling around the world. And it doesn't it doesn't need to be either of those, but it can be those as well. So I think testing out what works for you and you don't have to be living in a different spot every every week. You don't have to be traveling and, and working from your laptop on a beach just because you see photos of people doing that. Most remote workers do not work from beaches. They work from their home, something like this, which is not that like great and not that luxurious background. So finding what works for you and do you feel comfortable with that? Do you feel isolated? Do you feel like you're more productive, that you're happier? And if you do, then maybe that's something you can increase to two days a week with your employer. You, you don't have to go all all in straight away and, and just testing the waters like that would be the best option. Love it. Yeah. Okay. I suppose it's all it's all about conversation with your current employer and like where you're at right now and just yeah testing the waters. Like it doesn't yeah, it doesn't have to be like go complete cold turkey as it were. No. You can and getting them to show the value, you know, you the, the fact that you're both getting value from it. Like if they're getting a more productive, happier employee and you're happier and more productive, then it's a win win. Like it's a no brainer. So I think it, it makes making sure you explain it in that way so it's not just like me 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 this is what I want it's like they're going to benefit as well I think that's also such a big like point as well for like the remote work conversation is that it's not about wanting to go sit on a beach with your laptop it's that actually being able to choose your environment and therefore you produce better results for a company because this was something I was championing like way before the pandemic was it's not that I want to go check out a new Insta cafe in London. Cause this was, I did it for, in London for several years. It's not about that. It's the fact that like, 
you know, even my Wi-Fi was stronger at home sometimes to upload a YouTube video or going and checking out like a weird space in Shoreditch was actually much better for me to start the day like versus yeah. being in an office five days a week surrounded by the same four grey walls. Not one. And you, you're more inspired as well, like depending on your job. Like, for example, if you're a designer, you're much likely to get ex- inspired if you're in different locations. If you're a software engineer, you're much like likely wanting to work at home in your home setup, not being distracted by people like me. When I was working with software engineers, I was the recruiter tapping them on the shoulder when they're fully in the mode coding. I'm like, mm-hmm. hi, come and do an interview. That's annoying when they're in the zone. Like I'm fully aware. They said they got more work done when I wasn't in the office <laughs> because I was just tapping them on the shoulder. And then there's people like me or people like in sales where you might be working from a co-working spot and you meet people that could end up being a client or could be a customer. So you're actually doing more for the business as well as for yourself just by opening yourself up to being around different people in different environments. And thank you for saying that, because as a person who's in marketing as well, like that, the amount I was having this conversation with somebody um, a couple of weeks ago that you just never know which contacts are going to become something or help you in something or you're going to collaborate mm. and like create this amazing project around yeah that even that in itself it's more about results again than it is yeah I want to sit by the beach all day exactly like I've got two of my clients I can think of the top of my head one of them I met in a beach cafe walking my dog and I do a bit of work after I'd walk the dog. Um, he became a client. And then I had another one who I did a story when I was at this co-working space in Thailand. And he sent me a jokey message saying, hey, I want video rights to that video or something. And we got chatting and he ended up becoming a client. So those wouldn't have happened if I wasn't working in different environments, if I was just in one space. There we go. I had it all here first, folks. <laughs> Is there anything about being a digital nomad or a remote worker that you think people need to know? There's a lot of things. <laughs> it's not always, it's not all con- coconut and sunsets. There is a downside to it. You see all of it like the same as in on social media for everything that you see these like beautiful photos and I'm guilty of them as well. Like me by a pool on my laptop. I wasn't actually on my laptop by the pool. It just takes a nice photo. Like there's, there's, there's downsides to it in that you can be like last minute looking for Wi-Fi and not manage to get it. You can, your, your laptop will die or you might not be able to manage your social with your work life. If you've got this flexible working because you've created this life which is amazing that's totally flexible but you're also a little bit stressed because you're constantly managing your calendar because you're like okay Han just invited me to go to this event on Wednesday afternoon I really want to go so I need to move this call to Friday and I need to move this to then and making sure that you're in a setup that's going to be quiet but then you something ran out of battery so there's always something else to think about that I guess you don't have to do when you're in an office because it's all set up for you and I wouldn't replace it for the world But I think that's important to know about, that there are these things that you do need to have a bit more organization and a certain amount of structure in your life. Even if you are moving around a lot, there's certain things that you need to have in place and a good good sleep hygiene and good organization to a certain degree of where you're going to be when is important. And I think the second thing is to not put pressure on yourself that if you're a remote worker, you're not necessarily a digital nomad that you're doing it wrong because you're not because remote work to me means you've got freedom of choice of where you work from that could be sat in your pants in your home town in your home office never leaving the house because that's where you're comfortable that's where you choose to work because you want to be there for your kids you want to be there for your partner you want to be around your dog whatever it is that's fine and you don't need to be a digital nomad 
And equally, if you're a digital nomad traveling around, that's great too. Like there's, there's no right or wrong. It's just, it's about what works for you and, and which is your, your choice of freedom. Say it louder for the people in the back. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> your choice of freedom of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we associate there is only one. You either, yeah, you either are in the office or you're traveling and working full time. And I have spoken to so many people who are like, thank you. That's like very, very rare. Uh, reiterating the fact that remote work can mean being based somewhere. It's just that you work yeah. from home or wherever it is yeah so yeah so for loud, loud people in the back it's all about mm-hmm. what your dream is what your yeah what flexibility means to you yeah for sure and yeah it's what's really funny is that I um I did a talk where I was like okay so the weirdest thing is that the, when you search on google digital nomad on google on canva or on like all these sites the first thing that comes up straight away is a dude on his back leaning on his backpack with his laptop on the beach I'm like where did this come from and then ironically I actually found a beach club in Cyprus that actually had wi-fi reaching out on the beach I was like oh damn I've just perpetuated the stereotype here yeah but the wi-fi was great but then I was like yeah do you know what because it sells like and and I've like I said I've been guilty of it I took a photo literally days ago totally staged me by the poolside on a laptop with my nephew playing in the pool of course I wasn't doing work while he's playing in the pool there like but it looks good and it's and, and it's good for the gram and that's I don't care what anyone says they don't admit to it that's that's what people want to see because it looks good yeah and it, yeah they want a bit of it I remember seeing um some content creators I know were in like Chiang Mai I think it was back in December and it was just like a pan around of like a pool of people like half in half out on their laptops by the poolside and I was thinking like that's my worst nightmare like you know tech like just go in the pool at any second but also right so many people around I'm like oh no that I, I love I love flexible settings but even then I'm like no I have my limits when it comes to like yeah you know taking that stereotype a bit too far but you know if that's your thing then you go for it <laughs> get your tan on People don't want to see like me working from here in this dark room. Like it doesn't look as sexy, right? It doesn't look as cool. <laughs> if we make, I, I had um, there was a blogger who said years ago, she was like, "If I make my job look easy, then I've done my job," and I kind of agree. I like that. I would prerequisite that, and it's not easy. Like t- designing your life and actually getting a remote job is giving you the ideal remote or the ideal lifestyle that you want is not easy mm. and I and I don't actually advocate I, I do these posts because it looks nice and stuff but I actually make a point of like it's not all it's not all coconuts and sunsets mm. there's, there's downsides to it and you need to take the rough with the smooth and you need to be aware of what that, that looks like because it's it's going to be hard work it's going to be a lot of management and especially if you're moving around a lot building new communities there's downsides to it too absolutely yeah I think you hit on that very good point again is that it's it's about sh- yeah creating that life that works for you creating the life that works for you yeah but yeah I think also the funny thing about Instagram and this Insta travel thing is that we're still figuring it out it might have been you know a decade or whatever more than a decade that dec- Instagram's been around but it's also figuring out how us as like the first wave I say in air quotes but also portray that as well I think there's finding that mindfulness around it. And I think people are starting to also get sick of seeing, not sick of, they're just, it gets a bit exhausting seeing another person on the beach with their laptop 
when actually, yeah, yeah we've all been like in the co work space in a corner, madly putting in like a 10 hour day that day by complete chance yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think there's like, we're still learning. We're always learning. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I, I stayed at a hostel in Eresera in Portugal recently. And I was, every morning I was sat there doing my work. And most people there were on holiday, right? And then there was one event I went to, a barbecue night. And all of them, I, there was three people that said to me, I don't know, separate occasions or together, they're like, oh, you're the one who's always working. And I'm like, no, no, I have fun too, honest. So I'm fun. <laughs> and so they had this picture of me like, oh, she's the chick who's just always working. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting perspective that they had. <laughs> But look where I get to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there was one guy who said to me, he's like, oh, I wouldn't like to do what you do. I was like, oh, why is that? He said, because when I come to places like this, I really want to enjoy it and I don't want to have to think about work. And I'm like, okay, interesting perspective. I was like, but the difference is I don't need a holiday from my life. And it stopped him in his tracks a little bit. And you can tell he disagreed with me. He he just wanted something different. I'm like, that's completely fine, but don't question my choice of life because this works for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I, th- I think a lot of it is also like, don't, don't hate it till you've tried it as well. And everybody, yeah. I think obviously there's been a huge movement around us, obviously going remote is like the future, but it's not that we then dunk on people who want to be in the office. There's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely not. And, and actually when I worked in an office, I loved the office environment. I loved the people I work with. I enjoyed going in. We play computer games. Like we'd, we'd have like beers on Fridays. We had a really nice environment. But would I give up what I've got now to to have that again? Not a chance. But that's not to say I didn't enjoy the office. Mm. I did. I just now prefer other things. And then because I've had a taste of this, I wouldn't, I'd never go back. How do you keep up like beers on Fridays, like all those other kind of social side of office things that people kind of go, oh, but I've missed that. That's a really tough question um, because... I think a lot of people, not all, Mm. but a lot of people rely on that because maybe they don't have a social life outside of work. Mm. And not saying that was the case with me, but when you are working so many hours, your work colleagues become your friends. That's all like, and I don't necessarily think that's always healthy as well, because in a drop of a hat, that could go. How you keep up that beers on Fridays, I I can't answer that, to be honest. That's that's not something I can answer. (laughs) Are there any ways that, like, you manage your your like balance between work and play I guess is probably the better way to answer that it's taken me a while it's taken me over a year to kind of trying to figure that out to find that true balance between work and play because I've gone when I started I'm like all fun and my business really was was going at a slow rate because I'm like I'm living this lifestyle then I went the other way when I was working 50 60 hours and not really going and I was like oh I've not even been outside today I've just been working hustling around at my home office in Bali uh, which is not a bad place to be but still I just didn't I wasn't there doing what I was supposed to Mm. do and then I had the guilt so I had this like up and down over the last year and or two actually and now I feel like I found that true balance where I give myself weekends off unless I've got like specific work to mm. do and I I block out my calendar in that I have evening times I have my morning times for the gym so that every single day I've done something for myself even if that isn't you know like going out meeting friends but I make sure that I, I find that balance between doing work but it not being my life and and that's a, that's a, the main thing for me some people want to hustle and their work is their life that's fine I wouldn't be happy with that and I wouldn't feel completely fulfilled if I wasn't having those social connections and that community whereas other people their whole life and their community is their work and if they are happy with that, then 
that's completely fine but that's not for me so there's no there's no one size fits all if some people want to do four hours a day and that's it and they want the rest of social some people are quite happy their whole work, life being their work and that's okay too but it, it needs to be because I I follow Alex Hermosi I don't mm-hmm. know if you you follow him and I absolutely adore him and he he often says I work harder than anyone else and my whole life is work and I don't have anything else so and that's that's his style but that won't work for everyone yeah, I think um, the guys like Gary Vee and that are quite similar as well. And it, it sounds great from a, from a pa- passion point of view, like you've got something that, yeah. But yeah, you've absolutely got to find what works best for you. Because I know some people who think they've got to be doing it because whatever reason it is. But if it's burning you out, then why do you choose that in, in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Like if I, if I don't like surf or cycle or go to the gym or meet friends, at least once twice a week I'll feel the guilt and I'll also feel like what am I doing like I'm not here just to work and going back to the guys at your hostel it was like well this is you know I I travel and work because that is what fills my soul up as well it just so happens that I can do what you know we get given you know an average job you maybe get given what is it two to four weeks off a year to go do that I do it on the weekend or yeah I didn't even do it the weekend they didn't see me I was like at lunchtime today I'm going for a surf yeah. you'll see me I won't be here <laughs> I promise I do stuff <laughs> yeah honest <laughs> coming back to remote rebellion um talk just a little bit about like how remote job coaching can bridge the gap between wanting a remote job and getting that remote job it's tough and a lot of people ask me like are you a recruiter like what do you do I don't understand how this works the fact of the matter is, because remote jobs are so competitive right now, it's getting increasingly harder to get ahead of the competition. So just to give you some stats, only 15% of jobs on LinkedIn are remote. And of all the applications that are made on LinkedIn, 50% of all applications goes to those 15%. So you can see how much like the competition is just... And that's increased over the last couple of years. I've really noticed a difference in the last year. People who had never had trouble finding a job before have really are really struggling at the minute. And I meet them and I make sure I hand select everyone who comes onto the Remote Job Academy. They're awesome people. They've got amazing communication skills. They have awesome background. They've got a lot to give and a lot of value to offer, but they're just not getting ahead of that of that pile. Their CV goes into a black hole. So what I do and what the Remote Job Academy shows them is to how to portray and show their value on paper before they get to the interview. Because actually a lot of people are pretty confident in interviews and they feel like, okay, I know how to sell myself. But on paper, they either go from this doesn't make any sense or just sounding like they're just jumping adjectives and and buzzwords at at people. So I take them from analysis, figuring out what they want to do, what's important to them, what the kind of companies and time zones and really specifics of what the non-negotiables are first. Then once they have an idea of what that looks like, we build a strategy in which to actually get that. So that's where to find fully remote jobs and not fake hybrid jobs, how to apply to them to get ahead of the competition, how to network effectively to really get those introductions because good old nepotism works when it comes to getting a job. We've, We've all had those introductions before and they work. And actually me working either on a one-to-one basis or in a group setting is having someone to be accountable to and having the support of other people going through the job search journey, because it can be really soul destroying and can be like people really start after a few months of applying and getting rejection email after rejection email, 
they start to lose a bit of like faith in themselves and confidence. They're like, am I actually any good at what I do? Why am I not getting responses? And I had this too when I quit my job and started looking for a remote job. I really had a struggle. I was like, maybe I'm not actually as good as I thought I was. And I'd always been quite confident. So it really, and I'm I'm good at what I do. I'm good at recruitment. So it really starts to eat away a little bit. So to be in that community of other people that are going through the same thing and you're all cheering each each other on, you're all part of this rebel community. It really, like, what's the, the saying, uh, rising tides lift all boats? It really does make a difference. And you see them on these calls and in the community, like, egging each other on, saying, you can get it, you've got the interview, well done. It's, um, yeah, it warms, it warms my heart. It's really nice. <laughs> That's such a lovely idea as well, because, yeah, we've all been there where we're kind of going, like, oh, my God, how much? I remember there was one job that I, I left, when was it, five years ago? And within a week, I had, like, something crazy, like, 10 interview offers or like something wild like wow just because I'm assuming because of the company I just left and all the rest of it and then to go into remote work where it obviously requires a not different set of skills but it requires a whole like fresh set of skills that we're still not really used to putting on our CVs having companies understand as well I know that it can be quite yeah soul destroying is a good term for it to be honest what would you say to people aside from obviously like having that accountability, having that uh, group of people around you, uh, is there anything that you would advise people do for themselves in those times where they're going, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? Do I have to go back to the office? Like, yeah, do I give up on my goal? I think figuring out why, asking themselves why it is that they want a remote job. What is it about that they want? And what a lot of people tend to do in these times of redundancies and layoffs is they tell themselves, I'm asking for too much. I'm asking for a well-paid job in an industry I like that's fully remote. Maybe I'm being too ungrateful. I should be grateful that I can get a job. I should be grateful this. That might be true, but is it going to affect your your mental health, your physical health, your happiness and your people around you if you have to go into the office and do that tube ride every day or do that train ride or the car journey? Is that going to negatively affect your health? And if it is, then you're not asking for too much. So to, to build yourself up, up from that point first, and then to find ways in which to get those introductions to those companies. So networking is a really big piece. Start speaking with the companies and connecting yourself with the organizations and the disciplines that you are interested in and that you want to work in. And, and that's a really good pl- first place to start. Mm-hmm. And actually getting past colleagues, friends to tell you what it is that you are good at and say, hey, Han, like, what, what do you think my strengths are? It sounds a little bit cringy at times, but like, yeah. get get honest answers from friends. You can get you can get what are my downsides as well? What do I need to work on? So you can balance that out. But when you start hearing it from more people and you start hearing the same patterns that, like, oh, maybe I am good at X, Y, Z, because at least three people said I'm good at this. So you start believing it a little bit yourself. Mm. And do you, what was like for people who are wondering, what's the difference between having one-on-one coaching versus group coaching? So with the Remote Job Academy, for, for what I help people with, everyone in the collective package will have the group coaching and the one-to-one is in addition to that. So that's maybe for people who are looking to career switch, they're looking to change jobs, they're maybe just starting out in their career and they need a bit more personalised and tailored assistance with their with their work so rather than a generalized this is how you work on your cv this is how you improve this it's like how do i transfer my experience in mechanical engineering over to technical engineering how can i tell that story so we work hand in hand to for me to first of all look at their cv and say this is how it reads to me let me tell you how you can improve some areas and this is how you can phrase this 
and then actually doing some mock interviews as well and actually doing some applications together. So in those coaching sessions, we can actually, okay, let's get free jobs that you want to apply to. Let's see how they're asking these questions and let's apply to those together. So it's, it's a lot more one-on-one time hand-holding them through the process. And some people don't need that and, and some people really do and they get a lot out of that. And on the flip side, for people who want to help others find remote work, do you have any, any advice for them? For people who want to help others? People who want to help others, like either encourage them into getting remote work or like say they even want to become a remote job coach themselves, like share their experience. Like, is there anything you'd maybe advise them? I think pick out the bits that you can be an expert in. So, for example, my expertise comes from being a recruiter for nine years in the tech space and and digital marketing. So I can show you what it's like from my point of view of how I see these applications. So if someone is looking to, to go into that space and help people getting a remote job, what can you offer? So that might be that you've got a remote job yourself. So you can offer it from a perspective of like, this is how I did it. Or it might be that you've been in a particular niche. So you've been in product management or content or whatever that is. Work off your niche and then help people within that space. So you might want to specialize in, I'm going to help you as a content writer or whatever that be, or a digital marketer, because that's what I do. And that's the industry I know. So not just post Instagram stories of coconuts and acai bowls. <laughs> and it really annoys me. Like, you can live this life too. Like, here's some job sites that you look at. I'm like, that's not helping people. That's just like, that's just getting more followers. And these people, like, and I feel bad for people that are following these people because they're just, they're, they're fluff. It's just fluff. Like, you can live this lifestyle too. And they're just, they're selling the lifestyle, which is all great, but like give some substance, like help people get that, like give them some information, give them tips. Don't just say, look at these job sites. Anyone can do that. Mm, so true. Going down to sort of more the day-to-day things, we sort, of, we sort of talked about this before, but like how do you set up your workspace for the day? So obviously you travel a bit more than like say the average remote worker. How do you go about setting up your workspace when you're on the move? It varies. So when I was in when I was in Bali, I was there for about two years. So I actually had a full uh, adjustable standing desk in my home office and everything. I had my second screen. I had a really like comfortable setup. But I would tend to half the day go and spend time in a cafe. So I I had my laptop. I had my my spare keyboard. I had my mouse, and I've got like a next stand as well as my actual um, my laptop. But if I was just going to go to a cafe for an hour or so laptop charger done depending on the work I needed to do so if I'm going to do podcast recordings if I'm going to do coaching calls I would make sure I was in a setting that was quiet I had my headset on and it was definitely going to be good wi-fi if it was just me doing work on content or posting things on LinkedIn or something then it was it was less I could just take my laptop and go away and and hope that maybe there's I could use 3g if the, the wi-fi wasn't working so it really does depend on the week where I what location I'm in and and what the kind of work was that I had to do what's your like top three things you have in your work bag or oh headset I don't go anywhere about these my next stand which I I can't show you because it's on (laughs) the stand oh top three that's a tough one I mean my charger is an obvious one but I honestly think the the next stand and the keyboard and the mouse external which are like wireless were super helpful for me like I do have a second screen as well, uh, which is which is really cool. And I found that quite useful. And it's like magnetic. So you can just have that somewhere. Cool. But I don't necessarily say that's a, like a must have. That's like a nice additional. Out of interest, where do you get that one from? It's a company called Espresso. 
And I actually met the founder in Sydney who was like, really, it was a bit of a random chance meeting, but I just loved the screen. It's currently in transit somewhere in Portugal because I shipped it out from the UK about three weeks ago and it's still not arrived. So uh, that's not ideal. Because <laughs> you're in Spain right now. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, it's still not got to Portugal. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got fun digital nomads problems. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you just got to roll with it. Yeah. You can just handle it and it's fine. You can have um, certain co-working spaces as well that will have proper setups that you can rent and have a decent chair, have a second screen. So that does help as well. And and I was surprised actually at how many co-working spaces there are, even in really small towns, that they're kind of popping up everywhere now. For sure. And like I'm finding that more the more tourism boards I talk to about, the more they're going like, oh, so tell me more about like that co-living space or like what their subscription yeah. service and things. Like there's... Um, a co-work space I did a collaboration with uh, in Mexico City last year and they have obviously like very flexible subscriptions because their whole target was for parents originally mm. so parents could like come in like once a week they could bring their kids they had a nursery in the ground floor interesting like versus like obviously you think of the Salinas and sort of more like well-known spaces that we know now mm-hmm. that have a bit more of a fixed subscription I believe so yeah, I think it's it's definitely becoming a good option, not just for digital nomads, but for local communities and expats now as well. Yeah, and and that's what I like about it as well. You get to meet meet a bit mixture of people who just like want to get away from the kids at home or whatever the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Need a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get me out. <laughs> I guess, like for you, what is the most important part of remote work? When and when I, you know, just whatever it comes to mind when I ask that. Again, it comes back to freedom of choice. I always say this freedom of choice of where I feel like working and where works for me. Like I I spent two weeks in the UK with family and I really wanted to go and watch my nephew at his running club. So but I also had a call an hour before. So I was like, okay, how can I tie this in? But I made it work. So I didn't want to miss it. And if I was had to be in an office, I would never be able to make that run mm-hmm. club. And it was important to him. So I ended up in this like tiny little child's chair, like doing this call. I ended up like the Wi-Fi didn't work. I had to run to a pub to get a connection just as it opened at like midday. Yeah. But I managed to get back and watch his run. So like for that, like being able to be there for occasions with family, with friends, for fun things like going to a water park on uh, for a few hours uh, in the afternoon. So then it fits around work. That, that for me is, is is the most important thing for me. That's so cool. I love that. And do you have any um, like final thoughts or any predictions on like where remote work is going? I can say I'm an optimist um, and an idealist. I like to think that hybrid will be the new normal in five years' time. And that this whole in on site will be that will be like the oh you have to do on site. So I, I actually I hope and envision that they'll have to advertise roles as as on site as opposed to hybrid and the other way around. And that companies, for God's sake, will understand the terminology of what 100% remote actually means, what remote means, and what work from anywhere means and actually use the terminology correctly because it's been over three years now guys like you really can't really not understand what remote means anymore please tap it on the screen like pay attention (laughs) i got i got into an argument on linkedin and the comments section because someone was saying that once a month in the office was still remote i'm like no it's hybrid like how many times (laughs) yeah it's that argument of like okay you might again 
that's still meaning that you've got to be near a location. Yeah. But it's, it's making that distinction. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, there's so many thoughts I have on that that I'm like, no, that's another, that's another conversation for another time. I could rant all day about it. I really could. So what I'd, I'd like for the prediction of remote work is that the, there are dictionary definitions of this is hybrid, this is remote first, this is 100% remote. So they're actually fully in the dictionary and you can't argue about it. So rather than this, like, well, I think it's once a quarter, I think it's once a year is allowed. You know, there's no, there's no grey area. It's like, this is the definition. Companies, if you're listening, take notes, please. <laughs> exactly. Final question, Michelle. Fill in the blank. Home is where? Community is. Nice. Yeah. And, and Wi-Fi at the minute. <laughs> Those crucial things at all. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, sad but true. Michelle, it's been amazing to chat. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anne. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Michelle, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to Michelle's profiles below. Thank you so much again for listening. And we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.